Hi everybody, I'm from Alessandro Lonero. Uh, welcome to the seventh uh, Performance Quest episode. Hi to my co-host, as always, Francesco Guzzolin. And uh, let me introduce, uh, hi Francesco, and let me introduce uh, Elena Araldi, our, uh, our guest for today. Elena is a biologist, so is a nutritionist, and um, with a PhD in molecular medicine, and from 2020, uh, part of the uh, ASICS team, ASICS team frontrunner, uh, Italy, Italia. Uh, welcome. If you want to uh, introduce yourself with some other words, thanks yes, thank to be here. You, thank you, Alessandro. Thank you, Francesco, for having invited me here today. I'm glad to be here with you. And uh, yes, I'm a biologist by training, uh, but I am also a marathoner. So uh, I, I am a nutritionist and uh, I love to, um, to do this kind of job working with the athletes, uh, but also with the normal people in order to get them to, to sport and to a healthy life. So thank you so much for having invited me here today. No, thank you, Elena. I'm really, really happy to have you on board. Uh, I don't know if you if you already, if already Alessandro told you something, but you are our first female guest, so you know you got a great, wow. great, wow. great responsibility. <laughs> now, now I'm really happy. And first of all, you are the first one talking about uh, nutrition, sport nutrition. So uh, tonight we gotta, I mean, start this uh, huge topic. So for sure, uh, won't be enough just one episode, but. Uh, we have so many, many um, questions from coaches from all over, let's say, the world. Uh, that I, I, we want to start, you know, talking about some topics, some approaches, and um, so I'm going straight to my first question because uh, is the one that I'm really they care about. And uh, before talking about nutrition, I would like to talk about how to measure body composition because uh, in the last years, body composition has become a very important asset in evaluating athletes. And uh, I think you all agree that any training program at any level needs a well-designed nutrition plan. Absolutely. So which are the main mistakes that your experience are frequently done in reading a body, a body composition report? So the very first uh, mistake uh, usually is to link uh, uh, personal health uh, to uh, numbers read on a scale. Because uh, uh, our body is composed by different uh, type of structures and uh, uh, body composition analysis allow you to, uh, to identify which are the, the structures you have to work uh, on more. So basically we are made of different things, but the main things uh, we can appreciate uh, uh, evaluating body composition are basically fat mass, free fat mass and uh, uh, liquids. And uh, liquids are very important because there are different compartments uh, in our body. So we have uh, the intracellular liquids and the extracellular ones. And these are very different because uh, the first, so the total body water, let's say, is linked to the percentage of free fat mass. So uh, it's not linked to, to fat. Uh, the other compartment, which is the extracellular water, is mainly linked uh, with the inflammation, let's say. So it is a, a really good parameter to evaluate uh, when you have some uh, athletes uh, or a uh, person doing sports uh, 
which uh, have uh, an higher value and maybe this value uh, can uh, enhance a state of inflammation or um, overload of some kind of food uh, and something like that. Then you have uh, the um, fat mass, which is everything which is not the free fat mass, let's say. So fat is fat, but we have different types of fat. So you have the subcutaneous one and the visceral one. Uh, mainly um, coaches and people focus on the subcutaneous fat, which actually is uh, uh, that part linked mainly with the an improvement in cardiovascular status. Uh, the bad fat mass is uh, the um, visceral one. And uh, uh, an overload or high values of uh, uh, visceral fat mass can uh, take the, the person to uh, have a higher risk of cardiovascular disorders, metabolic disease, dyslipidemia, hypertension, and so on. This is um, the reason why a few years ago, in 2014, if I am uh, correct, um, a paper uh, presented for the first time the term inflammability, so the, uh, the link between inflammation and obesity. This is because uh, fat, uh, fat tissue is a tissue itself which can uh, promote the secretion of hormones, let's say. And uh, uh, for doing this, uh, uh, this kind of tissue needs uh, a vascular structure. So. Uh, the more vascular structure you need, uh, the more uh, the blo um, blood pressure is high. And this is the reason why the visceral fatness links uh, mainly to the higher risk of cardiovascular disorder uh, due to the high variation, insulin resistance, and so on. So this is the reason why the term inflammability has been uh, uh, born. Let me, let me ask you something more, because uh, it's very interesting what you say. Uh, is it possible to find an athlete that looks like uh, skinny? I mean, yeah. not with a you know, high percentage of uh, subcutaneous uh, body fat, but if you check his body composition, you can find a lot of fat intravisceral. So it's a, like a, a fake uh, skinny athlete. Uh, let me, let me say this. It's the skin. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's very common, for example, for uh, CrossFit athletes, uh, um, in particular for uh, CrossFit athletes uh, who are not uh, elite, uh, because uh, in uh, that kind of sport, uh, you have a metabolic conditioning uh, linked to uh, part of weightlifting, powerlifting, and strength, uh, and uh, the gymnastic part. So it's very common. Yeah, uh, but in that kind of, uh, of performance, uh, if you uh, are not used to balance uh, your nutrition, which is uh, at the very first step of the CrossFit pyramid, pyramid uh, you can lose the focus, lose the point, uh, and you can get uh, a physical structure where you are uh, skin, but uh, with a fat mass higher than normal. And this is the skinny fat solution. Okay, interesting. So, Very interesting. Uh, what about the intramuscular adipose tissue? You know, this, the, is uh, yeah. point. this is a very tricky point because, in particular, for inactive people, uh, the intramuscular adipose tissue, uh, when you get older, uh, can promote the onset of uh, sarcopenia. 
and uh, of uh, osteoporosis and so on, in particular in female people, because uh, um, during the menopause, uh, the estrogen levels are lower and this prompts uh, uh, to an accumulation of fat tissue, also intramuscular fat tissue, and uh, to uh, the leakage of the, of the skeletal uh, structure. So uh, it's a very tricky point. So it's worth you know, to assess the intramuscular adipose tissue also with athletes. So are these, uh, let's say, body fats reacting differently from, uh, I don't know, training, nutrition, I don't know, healthy lifestyle, or more or less balanced? So when you test all of them one time, the first time they're reacting, you know, more or less in the same way? They are balanced if you get a constant physical activity. So uh, if you are used to, to train all week long, uh, you can measure that value once and then, you know, every three, six months, depending uh, on the single person. This is very important because uh, in nutrition, uh, it's not uh, uh, worth to, um, to generalize because uh, each person is a single person to, to be evaluated. So you can measure the intracellular fat mass, let's say once and then after three, six months, uh, but uh, you can have an athlete uh, which uh, needs uh, to be followed, uh, followed up uh, more strictly. So it's, um, it's very personal. It's, um, but, you know, uh, usually that kind of structure is, uh, is balanced. So Interesting, very interesting. In a single person. Very interesting. So, uh, so the first, let's say, take-home message is uh, if you have the chance to, to, to get the body composition with your athletes, do it, because the amount of information that you can get are all of them very, very important, you know, for a proper training uh, process. So I think this is, should be the, the first tip that we give to our listeners. So let's move for a while to another topic uh, that is always a very common uh, between uh, strength conditioning coaches. Um, and it's common for uh, sport athletes, you know, uh, for example, the protein intake. So uh, many athletes are looking to have a proper protein intake, but they don't put the same attention on their nutrition. So is there something that should be done in advance before considering which is the proper protein intake? You know, so, so we can help uh, uh, coaches, you know, to have a, a proper relationship with their athletes. So all we uh, people uh, doing sports are focused mainly on proteins uh, when we talk about training and nutrition. And uh, the world is um, plan of people uh, which uh, um, took uh, supplements, so whey proteins, BCA, and so on. Um, I do strongly prefer to suggest uh, nutrition, first of all. And uh, the protein intake uh, depends on the kind of activity you are doing. So uh, let's say that uh, for an inactive person, the proper uh, protein intake should be of uh, more or less 0.8 grams each kilograms of, of body weight. But uh, it depends if you are an endurance athlete or um, an athlete which, who does uh, sport, uh, team, um, team sports, 
or uh, let's say powerlifting, weightlifting, and so on. So yeah. for an athlete who does uh, endurance, ultra endurance, uh, triathlon, marathons, and so on, the proper amount of protein should be um, 1.2, 1.4 grams uh, each kilogram of, of body weight. If we talk about uh, strength uh, sports, uh, so powerlifting and so on, uh, you should get uh, more or less 1.7, 1.8. But this kind of intake uh, varies a lot uh, in dependence of uh, what are you doing, if you are just training or, or if you are, have a performance to prepare. So this is uh, to be uh, strictly evaluated with someone who are following up with you regarding this, so a nutritionist or your coach. Yeah, one of the main problems, I don't know if Alessandro is agreeing with me for, for uh, physical coaches, if, is that uh, we can control it somehow what's happening, you know, in the locker room right after practice. But we cannot control our athletes uh, at home. Outside. So it's easier in somehow, you know, to provide a certain amount of proteins in a milkshake or protein shake right after practice. But I don't know if you are agree with me, you know, if you have not a clear and, uh, and, and, uh, and a strong nutrition plan, a protein supplementation, a protein, uh, uh, you know, after practice, a protein intake uh, can be as much uh, quality as possible, it's never enough. Yeah, I, I do strictly agree. I am a lover of uh, real food, <laughs> so I really do prefer to, to eat <laughs> rather than to take supplements. Then uh, I suggest supplements uh, when uh, you know that uh, in that particular day you will not be able to reach uh, your daily intake. Let's say if I have to go work, I train at 6 a.m. in the morning, I have not time to do a good breakfast, okay, so I get my uh, shake, uh, my protein shake with uh, 20 grams of, of proteins, uh, 20, 30, depends, I, I'm a female, so for me it's 20 grams, and then uh, I know that during the day I will reach my intake, my daily intake uh, with lunch and, uh, and dinner. But... Yeah. Uh, I do not use uh, each day uh, the protein shake. So uh, I strongly agree with you regarding this. And, and also, um, few coaches and athletes uh, completely ignore, ignore the impact of carbohydrates on performance. Mm -hmm. This is uh, really important in endurance sports, but also in basketball in uh, team sports, uh, in uh, CrossFit, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in powerlifting, because uh, in, uh, uh, the interval training activities uh, and uh, uh, team sports where you have to do uh, your, uh, your job with other, with other guys, uh, uh, you, are, you have mainly uh, five minutes working, uh, five minutes off. So five minutes on, five minutes off. And uh, you use uh, your body uses different kind of uh, um, of engine. So if you do uh, um, an effort uh, uh, in few minutes, uh, you mainly use carbohydrates. If uh, that effort uh, lasts uh, for hours, and this is uh, what it uh, takes place uh, when you do a marathon or a triathlon or ultramarathon and so on. Uh, you have uh, to mix uh, the engine. So you have to use uh, both carbohydrates and fats. 
So it uh, strongly depends uh, on the performance uh, you want to get. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, another very important uh, issue that many coaches uh, have with their athletes in uh, when the season starts, for example, that you got athletes that are coming to training camp overweight. And you don't know how to manage them, you know, because uh, you can reduce the amount of uh, training, you know, so you can reduce the training load because most of the time is also dangerous, you know, because uh, it's the beginning of the season. They have to practice, it's training camp. So during the training camp, usually we, we practice more than normally. And you got to find a way to get back your, let's say, in shape weight as soon as possible because coaches are complaining and you know, in your opinion, your experience, you know, what can we do, you know, to manage a body fat reduction without uh, compromising, uh, I don't know, uh, training too much or nutrition too much? Because in any case, they have to practice, you know. Yeah. The first thing to reduce body fat is basically to do um, a calorie reduction but uh, mainly 100 to 100 per day, not so much. Um, the gold standard for me is to maintain a high uh, protein intake, maybe higher than uh, that you need. So if you need uh, normally 1.8, you can get to 2.2, for example. And then uh, to lower the, the intake of fats, in particular, saturated fatty acids, and uh, maybe later on we can uh, uh, deepen this point, uh, and to, to balance your, your intake of calories during the day. So uh, what I suggest is to have uh, um, a plate. Do you remember the, the Harvard Healthy Plate? It's a plate divided in four parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have protein. Okay. Uh, you have to imagine to have a plate divided in four parts where the, the two bigger parts are vegetables and proteins and the other two, the smaller ones, are carbohydrates and fats. Okay. Uh, the, the higher parts, so, so proteins and vegetables and so on, should be always very high in amounts. Uh, the other two are, have to be balanced. So if you uh, have higher carbs, you should lower fats and so on. This is uh, one simple way without uh, uh, doing a strange, uh, uh, strange things in kitchen to, to find a balance. Yeah, because you can find others, for example, that feel embarrassed and, uh, and stop eating, you know. And so they risk uh, injuries in a in, in few weeks. You know, because they, they are messing up uh, nutrition and training. So I um, really agree with you. What you say is, uh, I think, a smart approach to help the athletes to get back in shape without losing a training potential. That is important. But you have mentioned also fats. And uh, consuming fat has been blamed on sports and anti-nutrition for years. So now we know that our bodies need fat, good fat. So which yeah. are must-have ones, in your opinion, and which kind of attention we should follow? There are some risks to consider. Can we eat any kind of fat or what? It depends. <laughs> it uh, depends. Uh, fats are, are important for, uh, for an athlete. In particular, if uh, we think about uh, people doing marathons, uh, uh, triathlons and so on because uh, when you have a performance lasting more than one two three hours uh, 
um, your body needs fats. Uh, so uh, one molecule of fat uh, gives you nine uh, kilocalories and uh, this is uh, platinum for the body. So fats are really important. And uh, there are different sources of fat in nutrition. So uh, we should avoid the saturated fatty acids and uh, ultra process the foods, let's say. Um, and also we should avoid inflammation and inflammation arises also by consuming sugars. And uh, ultra processed foods uh, usually contains a lot of fats saturated fatty acids and, uh, and sugar. So this is to be completely avoided. Then if once a week uh, you decide to eat a donut, uh, no problem. The problem is if you eat a donut uh, each day. <laughs> so <laughs> this is the trick. Then you should prefer um, unsaturated fatty acid. So for example, fish, nuts, poultry, uh, almonds, uh, and so on, um, seeds. And, and so on, and also the olive oil, which is one of the best sources of uh, of good fat. The Italian one, I can. Uh, yeah, I can... The Italian one. The, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Click <laughs> yeah. here. Sorry. I have some olive oil around the world. They they don't look anything close to the Italian one. Absolutely not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What, uh, what I suggest to my athletes is to have uh, two spoons of olive oil per lunch and per dinner which is more or less 20 grams. Considering that uh, olive oil is 100% uh, fat. <laughs> yeah. So see, the trick is uh, that when you eat some kind of food uh, which is uh, fatter than other, so for example, salmon, mm -hmm. uh, you should lower the dose of olive oil. So let's say okay. if your dose is two spoons uh, per lunch uh, and you lunch with salmon and maybe avocado, for example, which is another fat food, yeah. you should reduce the amount of oil. So it's uh, easy, you know. Oh, balancing uh, sources of oils from different uh, kind of food, you know, it's a smart choice. Okay, very interesting, very interesting. May so, I, Francesco? Uh, may I, Francesco? Sorry. Uh, um, I always just introduce the, the argument with Elena. Uh, during the last year, we, we well, some, some theories are re-evaluating the uh, saturated fat, of course, not by processed foods. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's of course sure. But for example, from red meat, from eggs, and there are theories, for example, me, I, I also follow bodybuilding, uh, mm -hmm. bodybuilding fields. So there are theories of preps right now, uh, of natural preps, of natural bodybuilding, of course, but they are they are reevaluating the the use of saturated fats instead of unsaturated fats, mm -hmm. with a with a bigger part of saturated, respect of unsaturated. What do you think about if you know something of, about the argument and what do you think? It depends from the source, let's say, because uh, uh, saturated fatty acids uh, from eggs uh, are strongly better than that from red meat. Okay, because uh, the egg itself uh, is a kind of food which is uh, rich of uh, vitamin D, uh, minerals, uh, other vitamins, uh, and so on. So uh, it always depends from the by the source of the food, and also um, on uh, the um, the quantity of times uh, you eat that source of food uh, during your week. 
Of course, so, yes. This is uh, this is the my my experience so far. But yes, um, for example, uh, eggs have been uh, really uh, evaluated in the last years because uh, uh, there was the theory about uh, cholesterol and so on, and there are. Uh, a large, a very large amount of studies demonstrating that uh, if you if you have a dyslipidemia or hypertension or a metabolic syndrome, this is not the case. But for normal people, uh, a huge um, amount of eggs during the week can lower uh, the level of the bad cholesterol. So it's cardioprotective. So it's. Uh, it's tricky. And here again, it is very important to evaluate the single situation rather than general uh, general situation. Right. Thanks. Great, great. So I'm jumping on another, let's say, uh, coach's issue that is uh, connected with uh, long seasons, uh, many months of, uh, of uh, games and practicing. And usually, from my experience, uh, when when you are working uh, uh, on a team sport, it's easy to find after three four months of season athletes uh, that are suffering anemia, and uh, and like you can imagine, you know, it takes time to balance again their values with medical supplements. So, can nutrition provide some support in preventing the situation? If yes, how? Yes, absolutely. Yes. So you know that anemia can be the uh, less number of red blood cells uh, or the lower amount of hemoglobin. So it depends. Uh, the overall effect uh, is that you are tired, you have asthenia, you reach uh, uh, more uh, with more difficulty your performance. Uh, and uh, uh, the most important thing is that uh, your heart uh, has an overload of work. Yeah. And this is uh, the main reason why uh, people and athletes suff suffering from uh, anemia uh, have uh, um, some uh, bad performances uh, uh, during the year. So, uh, of course, nutrition can do something, but uh, you should have a starting point. So, if you have, uh, uh, if you are following uh, uh, an athlete, uh, an elite uh, professional uh, person, uh, you should, uh, um, for instance, uh, start with the lab workout, uh, um, demonstrating uh, which are if there are uh, some values uh, to be followed up during the season. For example, hemoglobin. For example, red blood cells, hematocrit, and so on. Um, just to let you know, usually in a, in a, let's say normal professional teams, we do blood work every month, more or less. Yeah. But it's not yeah. easy. I mean, it's not easy to anticipate some reactions because the problem is when you you realize that your athletes are suffering of anemia, most of the time it's too late. So you gotta you know bring something and give something to them. You know, to anticipate this uh, status of tiredness that they are suffering. So this is yeah, why I was thinking about to do something more than what we are usually doing. Yeah, because it is a, it is a subtle problem because uh, uh, you can have anemia because of micro hemorrhages in uh, the gastrointestinal tract when you uh, do a strong effort. Uh, you can have uh, the, um, some uh, micro hemorrhages uh, from your feet uh, when you are uh, 
uh, when you're running. So it's jumping, uh, running, jumping, yeah, whatever. Uh, then uh, there is the important uh, uh, part uh, regarding the female athletes, and then we can uh, talk also about this. But uh, from uh, a nutritionist uh, point of view, um, you can uh, have uh, your iron sources from uh, animal food or from vegetables. So the, the iron coming from animal uh, food is, the, is better, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, in nutrition, uh, uh, it is uh, important that you get the right amount uh, of that kind of uh, substance rather than uh, from where you are taking it. So uh, it's important to get uh, the correct amount. Uh, it is not important if you uh, are uh, eating uh, two kilos of lentils uh, or uh, you are eating uh, two kilos of uh, red meat. The important thing is that you get that amount in your in your nutrition. So and to this, sorry. No, no, go ahead. go ahead. I was just anticipating another question. And to, to avoid uh, food um, foods uh, that can impair the absorption of iron. So, for example, tea, coffee, and cocoa can strongly impair the absorption of iron, whereas uh, vitamin C. So oranges, lemons, and so on can strengthen the absorption of iron. Okay, this is why many products combine vitamin C with iron yeah. know, just to facilitate the absorption. But you was mentioning about uh, you know sources from vegetables and sources for meat. So my last question is uh, in this direction because uh, I think uh, it's becoming a more frequent situation that uh, many coaches have to face is how to support and advise the vegetarian or, or vegan athletes, you know, what we should control to be sure that they are eating properly and they can be, I don't know, professional athletes with this uh, extreme approach to nutrition. Okay, so it, it is not a problem to be vegetarian or, or vegan. And uh, when I um, talk about this topic, uh, I always think about a rich role. Huh? which is a, a mental coach and an ultramarathoner uh, from US. And uh, he was the typical uh, American guy. So McDonald's well, and... Burger, uh, burger, and burger. <laughs> then uh, one day he completely changed his mind and, um, and became vegan. <laughs> and he's alive. <laughs> and uh, he, he does uh, ultramarathons and, and so on. And uh, so I think about uh, him because uh, it, it is a typical example. So, you know, uh, vegetarians uh, can eat uh, um, fish uh, um, or uh, uh, doesn't eat fish and eat eggs and uh, milk and so on. So it's, it's quite difficult, but you can, uh, it is possible to work uh, well with these people. The important things to evaluate uh, mainly from a, from a biochemical point of view is the vitamin B12, which is mainly present in animal sources and is totally absent from vegetables. So um, if you have a vegan athlete or a vegetarian uh, doesn't uh, eating meat, uh, meat uh, you should uh, cyclically, cyclically uh, control the vitamin B12 because uh, 
um, when you do a lab workout, uh, you have the ranges uh, of, uh, of normal values. Uh, and uh, typically, uh, you can have a normal value of vitamin B12, uh, but it can be lower than that you need to have a good performance. So it is, uh, it is really important to have this value calculated. Then, um, as I told before, before uh, your body doesn't matter if you get proteins from vegetables or from uh, animal sources. The important thing is to get the right amount for the activity you are doing or for the performance you are focusing on. So it's possible to be athlete, also pro-athlete, being vegan or being vegetarian, but you have to be really committed, you know, you have to check your body I mean, consistently. And, uh, you know, knowing the ranges of vitamin B12 could be very important, you know, to manage your nutrition in a proper way. So this is yeah. uh, an important uh, tip that we can give to our coaches because uh, uh, it's becoming more frequent, you know, having uh, in, in, in our teams, uh, vegetarian athletes, uh, and uh, we got to be able to manage also this, uh, this kind of situation. Yeah, this is a point. Go, go, Sorry. go. Ahead. This no, is no. a point I got from a friend of mine, which is a physician and which is uh, a vegan. And a few years ago, I was always tired. I had asthenia. I had difficulties in training and so on. And I did a complete panel, a lab blood workout. Sorry. And um, she prescribed me also to check vitamin B12. And uh, it seemed okay because uh, the value measured was uh, in the range. But when I uh, get uh, my exams to my friend, uh, she told me, no, absolutely not. Uh, you, you have a value in the range, but it is too low for the kind of sport mm -hmm. activity and uh, uh, life uh, you are uh, you're having now. So she gave me uh, an integration of vitamin B12, not all lifelong, just a couple of months. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, in two, three weeks, uh, I became normal again. <laughs> So this is a tricky point. You know, to be honest, my personal experience, all the vegetarian athletes that uh, I got, they're really committed. You know, they like to check their nutrition in a proper way. And they are also open, you know, to share their situation, you know, to find uh, solutions. So, I mean, it's not a big deal to, to manage uh, vegetarian athletes, but, you know, you got to control them properly. And so once in a while, you got to be able to advise them with the proper supplementation. This is my, my opinion, my experience, uh, a, a proper uh, approach. Alessandro, I don't know if you have uh, any other question for Elena, because uh, I know that you are running late with the time. Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would have thousands, <laughs> but, thousands, but no, I would just to, I would just uh, like to introduce uh, a, a little topic and I don't know, it's my experience. I don't know if it's yours, Francesco, or yours, Elena. Um, what, I, what I'm seeing during these years uh, with my athletes population, okay, not with normal clients, I mean, uh, but with athletes population, is that um, a lot of them, they are underestimating two, 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 two things really important that we have talked about in part. The first is hydration. Hydration is underestimated by 99% of athletes that I have. And the, the second one is um, 
the second one, sorry, is, uh, uh, well, in general, they underestimate the needs of calories. I, I, I see a lot of athletes, they eat very, very few, very few. And, yeah. Yeah. and, and so, well, th that's a problem because uh, just, just uh, we have talked about uh, athletes overweight, no? We have to lower calories. But what I see with a lot of athletes, I, I need to hide. I need to push high the, the, the calories. Yeah. yeah. So, experience. Before giving uh, any voice to, to Elena, you know, in my experience, like I said at the beginning, uh, the total body water, the hydration, uh, it's, it's important. It's one of the main things to start, you know, uh, to talk with your athletes. So, hydration is fundamental. It's one of the first data I want to collect from my athletes. About uh, athletes underweight, you know, happened to me because uh, when you're covering long seasons, uh, it's not easy. Many athletes that are coming to play in Italy, they change completely their their eating habits. And uh, for example, American players coming in Italy, you know, we, we know that our food is good, Mediterranean uh, diet or whatever, but they have their own habits. So, and uh, I have had athletes from many countries, from Russia, from north of uh, of Europe, from Africa. So it's not so easy to change habits in a in, in few weeks, you know. So I got some problems about athletes underweight. Once again, in my opinion, body composition became a fundamental assessment for any athletes. Okay, for professional athletes, it's must-have. We are doing body composition once a month or, or most of the time one every two months we don't go over two months of evaluating our athletes but from body composition you can really touch many aspects of being professional athletes because you start with the lifestyle after you go on nutrition you go on training load you go on recovery status uh, elena mentioned about inflammation so you i can talk about stress for example so body composition became a fundamental assessment for professional athletes. I don't know yeah. what do you think about. So the, the very first thing I do with my people is, uh, and, and th these are the first two steps uh, I, I get, uh, is the first, uh, a nutritional diary, which I send uh, to people uh, uh, a few days before uh, the first contact with them. Because uh, what I saw uh, in the last years uh, is that uh, uh, more or less uh, every one of us uh, has not a correct perception of the intake of, uh, of, of the day. So maybe I think I'm eating well and uh, maybe I am, I am eating 3,000 calories per day because I eat only pasta, bread, pizza and so on which are uh, foods uh, with a high density in terms of calories. Then uh, there are a few people who uh, are uh, uh, sure to, uh, to eat well and uh, are, have an intake of, uh, you know, um, 1,000, 1,200 calories per day, which is absolutely wrong for, uh, for an athlete. So this is the first thing. 
The second thing important for the nutritional diary is that I get information about the habits. And uh, Francesco, you mentioned uh, that it's, it is difficult to change habits. Uh, and several studies demonstrated that it takes more or less 66 days to change a habit. And you have to do the same thing for at least uh, in media, uh, 66 days uh, to get uh, a new habit. There is a fabulous book about this, uh, and um, the name is uh, the, the Power of Habit or something like that. I mean, interesting to study it. And uh, the other thing is hydration. So uh, what I suggest to my people is to drink uh, at least uh, one liter of uh, beverages, uh, each uh, 30 kilograms of weight. So, for example, I am 60 kilograms and I drink at least two liters of uh, water, let's say, per day. Uh, when I train, uh, uh, for example, during summer, I measure my body weight, uh, so not my body composition, just my body weight before and after training. And last year, which uh, we had uh, um, a really hot summer here in Milan, uh, there was a day where I lost... Uh, 2.5 uh, kilograms in uh, 90 minutes of training. So in that day, I knew that I had to drink uh, 2 liters plus uh, 2.5 liters again. In order yeah, we, are to doing, uh, we are doing this strategy also with the athletes uh, during, uh, let's say, before summer, during the playoffs, let's say, post-season or during training camp, you know, try to uh, create this awareness about uh, hydration so they count the amount of uh, water after practice so we take body weight before and after and we prepare some glasses of water to drink during practice to anticipate the hydration so they can start drinking a little bit before practice and uh, sipping water during practice because you cannot drink one liter of water during a game for example so create to drink exactly continuously because most of the time when you, you are looking for water, you're thirsty, you know, it's too late. So you got to be able to anticipate this dehydration, you know, before that is coming. Yeah. So very interesting. Okay, Elena, like I say, uh, you know, I'm begging you to be our guest for another time at least. So... I can anticipate to Alessandro, this uh, our first episode. We're going to plan the second one with Elena because, uh, you know, nutrition is such a great topic. It's such a huge topic. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that our listeners are very, very interested on, uh, on uh, making a deep dive in this, uh, in this uh, topic with uh, some other uh, questions. So uh, once again, thank you for your time, you know. Uh, thank you, Francesco so clear and so detailed. So uh, once again, I owe you one, like we say. So we, hopefully we got a chance to, to share a, a other, other situation together. I'm sure that with the ASIC Contranas, we want to have this kind of chance. So once again, thank you. And, uh, you know, uh, I cross my finger so we can find, you know, time and, uh, you know, for another episode, once again, speaking uh, about nutrition with Elena. I would be happy to do that. So I'm here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you again. Also from me, Elena. Thank you, Francesco. Well, have a good night. Uh, bye from Alessandro, the Performance Lab staff. We'll see the next episode.